Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. The new covenant priesthood. He's a king priest. And I love it, but the book of Hebrews declares this. For if there is a change of priesthood, there must of necessity be a change of the law. So what that tells me is if John introduced a new priest, he's introducing a new law, he's introducing a new king, he's introducing a new, come on somebody, hallelujah, a new covenant, he's carried the ark in the river, he said it's time to cross over. It's time to cross over out of an old covenant and into a new covenant. I'm a mess, hallelujah. I feel the preacher on me a little bit. I, I get passionate because what happens is here we are 2,000 years into the new covenant. You say, well, you know, they said, you know, let me just say this. He told them when you see the ark and the priest carried the ark, you see the priest bearing the ark. He said, follow it 2,000 cubits. You, you could use that probably if you wanted to as 2,000 years. But what I really discovered was that 2,000 cubits was the length you could go on a Sabbath day's journey. So what he's simply saying is not somewhere out in the distant future. What he was saying is what happens is when you get a, a revelation of the finished work of Jesus, that it brings you into rest and you enter into God's rest. What happens is the moment you come into rest, you enter into your Sabbath day. Somebody help me a little bit. I mean, John the Baptist said he must increase and I must decrease. Can I say it another way? That old covenant had to begin to fade and wax old and rolled together like a great scroll but another covenant was emerging another government was forming the king of the kingdom was on the scene the kingdom had now come on planet earth and everywhere Jesus went he went demonstrating the kingdom hallelujah because God's goal is not just to get you from here to there it's to get what's happening there to operate here and if somebody will believe it if we can shift the way we think, if we can metanoia, if we can repent, the kingdom is within our grasp. Hallelujah. Let me get you another very quick scripture. 1 Corinthians 10. I'll come back and probably pick some of this up tomorrow night. It says, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1 through 11 says, Moreover, brethren, I would not, you should be ignorant, how that our fall of our fathers were under the cloud. And all of them passed through the sea, and all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea did all eat the same spiritual meat they did all drink the same spiritual rock for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ but with many of them God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness now these things were our examples listen these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written. This people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, fell in the one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and destroyed by the serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Watch this. Now all these things happen unto them for examples. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. The Greek word for world here is age. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says this, Everything that happened to them in type and shadow happened to them as an example, 
upon those people. We when, see when we read Corinthians, we say upon us, upon whom the end of the world is come, and we think he's talking about the end of some global situation, which is the Greek word for age, and we think it's the end of this age. But it, Paul was not writing to us. He was writing to the church at Corinth, and he was saying to them, these things were written for our examples upon whom the end of the age had come. They had come to the end of the age of the law, and what Paul was saying is everything that happened to them by type and shadow was only an example for them so that we ought to be at this point where Paul's talking to them. He's beginning to declare to them, don't miss this promised land again. I can hear him say when he writes to them in Hebrews, let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest you would come short of it for the gospel was preached unto them but the word not mixed with faith did not profit i could hear paul pleading and saying folks don't miss the promised land again and i'm not talking about heaven i'm talking about living in christ i'm talking about living in rest i'm just see because hebrews 4 don't have time to develop it all tonight but hebrews 4 tells you that what the promised land is in the new covenant is more than a piece of real estate it is rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ that we can enter into his rest that's what Paul said let us therefore fear lest we miss this rest yeah. and he said these things that happened to them were written for examples so that they would not miss it again man something jumped, jumped out at me that I, 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 let, me, let, me, let me grab this verse Revelation 11 Verse number 6 through 8 says, These have the power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. They have the power over waters to turn them to blood and smite the earth with plagues as often as they will. When shall have finished their testimony, the beast that sins out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, shall overcome them and kill them. Watch this. This is what really caught me. We read over stuff and don't even see what it's saying, but it says this. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Now bring your brain, come to church just a minute. Something hit me. Where was our Lord crucified? Y'all quiet. Where was he crucified? Jerusalem. He was not crucified in Sodom or Egypt. Well, thank you for that one meager amen. I didn't get that. I mean, our Lord was crucified in Jerusalem. Now, Revelation 11, God equates that old Jerusalem and its apostate system. He equates it with Sodom and Egypt. As a matter of fact, he tells them it'll be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than it will be for you. And all of a sudden I started thinking, my God, that's powerful language here. What I'm thinking is God is saying, you know what? I don't want to get myself in trouble. Hallelujah. But God viewed that religious system and that fallen bankrupt system the same way he viewed Sodom and Gomorrah. And while we think God is mad at gays, and I'm not, listen, I'm not endorsing a gay lifestyle. But what I'm trying to tell you is God equated that religious system as strongly with the perversion of Sodom. Ain't my words, it's his. And he equates it with Egypt. And I said, Lord, and that man, I'm a mess tonight. 
I heard the Lord say to me out of Luke 17, remember Lot's wife. I said, well, what about Lot's wife? He said, don't go back. I said, go back to what? He said, religion. Because the word Lot means the veil. And the veil, when you put a veil, the when Moses is read, there's a veil put over your face. What he's simply saying is, don't look. Once I set you free from the bondage of slavery and from a system, come on, that Paul called a perversion of the gospel. Somebody help me a little bit. He, when you get set free, don't go back. Don't turn back. I can tell you right now, man, I would rather, come on, die free than I would to live bound. I came a long way, baby, and I'm not going back. Hallelujah. I done been set free. I refuse to go back. I go back. Come on, somebody shout, I ain't going back. I, ain't going back. I got my face set, come on, to come out. Come on, glory to God. Secondly, I'm not getting everything I need to tonight, but we'll just leave it open this up and get out your road. But if he equates it to Sodom and Egypt, and all of a sudden I begin to see Egypt in a different light, Pastor Scott. I start seeing that Egypt was not just the world like I thought it was. That Egypt was religious bondage. Because under the law of Galatians 3 and 4, you were servants, you were slaves. In the new covenant, you're sons. See, I want to try to get to live a life in the context of sonship before I leave here Sunday. But I want to tell you what happens is, uh, is under the old covenant, we were slaves and servants. Uh, and we made, come on, bricks out of the red slime of Adam's fullness and the wood, hay, and stubble of fallen humanity. And we were under the bondage of slavery. And we could call that slavery to sin, slavery to the world. It's slavery on any level. Because I don't want to trade one set of bondage for another set. Because what happens is people get set free from religion and they end up getting bound by drugs. And then people get set free from drugs and end up bound by religion. I want to tell you the ox has been laid to the root of the tree. And you need to come down out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And quit swinging back and forth in the wrong tree. Zacchaeus come down out of that tree. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. There's another tree stands on Golgotha. Hallelujah, that's called the tree of life. But what I want to quickly show you is that if he equates this system to Egypt, this wilderness journey in the book of Joshua was a transition from Egypt all the way to a promised land. And what I want to show you is that when John the Baptist carried Jesus down into the bank of the Jordan River, he had carried the ark. And he said, folks, it's time to come up out of your wilderness journey and enter into your promised land. You've been there way too long, but it's time now to quit coming out and start going in. Touch somebody say, we've been coming out too long. It's time to go in now. It's time to go into our promises. Man, I begin to hear the Lord say to me, everything that happened to them under Moses happened as an example. And man, I begin to see that when they begin to get delivered from physical Egypt under the leadership of Moses, God said, take a lamb out from the sheep and the goats, put blood over the doorpost. Because when you do, when the death angel passes through the land, when he sees the blood, he will pass over you. What we do is we mistakenly preach that the blood on the doorpost of the house said this house escapes. That's not completely true. What the blood on the doorpost said to the death angel, there has already been a death exacted here. The death of the lamb was the death of the firstborn. His death was my death. And if you get enough lamb in your belly, it'll make you in the middle of the night say, I can't live in this bondage anymore. 
Can I tell you, I've been feeding on lamb. And when I've been eating lamb, it's made me get free from all kinds of bondage. It's made me throw my feet out of the bed at midnight and put my shoes on my feet and my staff in my hand and say, I can't live in this bondage anymore. Whether it's religious bondage or bondage to the world, God wants to set us free. They're delivered by a lamb. And now all of a sudden, John the Baptist says, right, here's the real lamb. Everything happened to them, happened to them as an example. They crossed the Red Sea. Fifty days later, they come to the foot of Mount Sinai. In the Old Covenant, God gives them the law, rules on rocks. And when He gives them the law, 3,000 people drop dead. In the New Covenant, exactly 50 days after Jesus, the true Lamb of Calvary is sacrificed. Come on, another cloud comes down on another mountain in an upper room, and this time He don't give them rules on rocks. This time He gives them the Holy Ghost. So that the Holy Ghost is to the New Covenant what the law was to the Old Covenant. So He don't give you rules on rocks, He gives His very own life. And this time, 3,000 people are added to the church. Under the Old Covenant, 3,000 people drop dead. In the New Covenant, 3,000 are added. Why? Because the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Under the Old Covenant, they loathed the white bread. Jesus said, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and them rascals are dead. But I'm the true bread that came down from heaven. That was the type and shadow. That was the example. Now the substance, the true bread, is standing in front of them. And they loathed the light bread. They hated They, You know, can you imagine this? They not only complained, it's hot out here. He stole my tent peg. I didn't get to sing last night. Nobody shook my hand. They had the audacity to get up and say, I don't like these miracles we're getting. <laughs> Angels are delivering on the lot. You don't got to go to the grocery store. You don't got to call Pizza Hut. God is delivering manna to your backyard. And the Bible said it had to taste of fresh oil and honeycomb. It was Krispy Kreme donuts. And it was good for you. And you could get healthy on it and lose weight. Now, if you're going to complain about that, somebody got to slap you. That's all I got to say about that. You will complain if ice cream is cold. We, love, we, we don't like these miracles. Interestingly enough, that's amazing to me. God moving all over America, people. Well, we got to be out here. Like we ain't got 10 minutes for God to heal somebody with cancer. Until it's our daughter, our kid, my mom. Come on. Then we got all kind of time. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to tell you what, man. If I, hallelujah. We'll sit in the doctor's office three hours just to get 15 minutes of an appointment. But I don't know about you, but I'd rather sit in the glory of God. Hallelujah. Watch people get healed, delivered, set free. Come on. Hallelujah. I, that's where I'd rather be because I believe when you preach the kingdom, the kingdom of God starts to manifest. But they loathe the light bread. I'm trying to finish here. Serpents came among them because when you get on the wrong diet, you're going to have trouble with snakes. Get on the right diet, you'll never have another problem with snakes. If you've got devils everywhere, you are on the wrong diet. Well, hello. And then you can have a snake fighting party, except that. God told the people, look, you're going to have some success fighting snakes on the ground, but if you put a serpent and put it on the pole, if you look, you'll live. Jesus gets a hold of that. He said, even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, and if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. This spake he concerning what death he would, and he identified himself with the serpent on the pole. How many know Jesus spoiled principalities and power? It happened by example. 
clear down to everything that they saw in type and shadow was being played out in reality. And when John the Baptist carries Jesus, the real ark, into the middle of the Jordan River, what's about to happen is he's about to cut the water of Jordan. I love this. Off. He's about to cut the waters of Jordan. And I love how it says it in Joshua. He's going to cut it off, clear back to a city called Adam. That's not an accident. Because death in all of its forms had flowed out of Adam, but now on the grand stream of life was the one who fulfilled all righteousness. He is now standing in the middle of the river saying, come on, it's time to cross over on dry land. And the moment you see it, and the moment you change the way you think, is the moment you begin to access your promised land. And you begin here to hear the Lord say, even in the taking of the promised land, you don't even have to fight to get it. I'm going to drive out before you. See, what we need to understand. Hallelujah. Go ahead and give him some praise. Man, this is good news to me. What we need to understand is, even in the areas of my life and the stuff that's keeping me out of rest, the Lord is saying, just come into this promised land and I'm going, I, I'm going to drive out from before you the Hittite, the Hivite, the Jebusite. I'm going to get rid of every parasite in your life. Just come to me and rest and watch me, watch me get rid of the stuff in your life that you've struggled with your whole lives. Amen. See, I found more real change in the climate of rest than I've ever seen with all my struggles and labors. Amen. Stand on your feet all over this building tonight. Hallelujah. I've said an awful lot tonight. But I want to, I want to, I hope you, I, I hope you just let me summarize just a moment. What I'm simply saying is when John the Baptist carried this ark in the river Jordan, he was declaring, it's time to cross over. What's crazy to me, that happened 2,000 years ago. And here we are, 2,000 years later. And I hear God saying, what are you waiting for? You know what's amazing is they lived on the other side of Jordan. And the Lord began to speak to him. He said, how long? He said, now, in the, in, the, in the middle of the book of Joshua, he says, now the land was subdued before them. And he speaks to the children of Israel and said, how long will you not possess your possessions? See, and I've already given it to you. I want you to live in houses you didn't build, eat from vineyards you didn't plant. Eat fruit from vineyards you didn't plant. In other words, I want you to enter in to another man's labor. How many know we can enter into the finished work? Am I making sense to you? I hope I, I feel like I never do it justice because there's so many pieces I leave out. But to me, what's so powerfully pictured here is what should help us to make the paradigm shift from an old covenant mentality to a new covenant mentality, similarly, from law to the kingdom. 
from a government of condemnation Corinthians 3 9 I believe it is 2nd Corinthians 3 9 the message the Bible says from the government of condemnation to the government of affirmation from come on an old covenant form of government to the kingdom of God governing our lives Jesus is my king right now is anybody with me tonight Look, I'm, I'm just declaring what the word says. My citizenship is right now in heaven. I said it's right now. In I'm right now a citizen. And because I have citizenship, Pastor Scott, I have a right access to everything heaven has to offer. Hallelujah. What I see prophetically emerging it's not people who are going to keep on rehashing the problem, but what I see prophetically emerging is the people who are rising up and saying, we're well able. Let's rise up at once. Let's rise up at once. Let's be answer-oriented and not problem-oriented. Are you hearing what I'm coming from? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in Washington, and I wouldn't want to be in none of their shoes. I'm praying for all of them. Because I don't know what the answers are in Washington, but I do know there is a government that has not shut down. I do know there's a king who has not vacated the throne. Hallelujah. And I believe one of the reasons we don't see released from the kingdom of God into the earth what's rightfully ours is because of some of the same reason we don't see it released in our government from Washington to the people is because we can't seem to agree. It's conflict, and you know what I'm saying? Uh, we fall out. You know, it's amazing to me. We nitpick. We fall out over everything. It's like it's amazing. Like we go even with among grace guys. We want to fall out over the one thing we don't all exactly agree on. Right, right, right. <laughs> but I know one thing. He's king, and he's king right now. I know one thing. He loves me enough that he don't want to hold back anything. I know this. He's my father, not just my austere God. Hallelujah. And I know one thing, he told me to declare a favor. You can preach whatever you want to. But I'm going to, I'm, to go, I'm going to declare a favor. I'm going to preach grace and favor because I believe you say, Well, brother, don't you see how bad it is? What is wrong with you? There's sin everywhere. Good climate for grace. For sin abounds. Grace is super about. Somebody said, well, look how bad the world is. Look at our young people. Look at our... Can I tell you, no wonder God would release on such a massive level the gospel of grace. Not because it's the problem, because it's the answer. And if more people would preach, come on. Look, look, look. I, might, I feel like Dr. Phil these days. I want to say, how, how's that stuff you've been preaching working for you? You know, I mean, let, you know, it hadn't worked so far. Let's try something else for crying out loud. In other words, give grace a little bit of time to work. And yes, when you begin to shift, man, it upheavals everything. And there's as many questions as there are answers. And people frustrated and they abuse it. And, and some may even take freedom too far. But I believe we got a great big God. Hallelujah. Who's able, because what I'm seeing is I've held... Hallelujah, steady what we preached for not just the last years when it got popular. And I've seen the pendulum swing from side to side, but I can tell you it's coming back strong to the middle. Hallelujah.
where it's working and it's changing people's lives and they're saying, yeah, I'm free, but I don't want to come on. I'm not just free. I, I came to Jesus not so I could go back to some of the same stuff I got delivered from. I came because I want salvation, not just for when I get to heaven, but salvation to work in me right now. He's still saving us. It is grace that brought us safe thus far. Come on, lift your hands all over this room. Come on, in this atmosphere, let's simply receive. Because it's not about apprehending, it's not about fighting, it's not about sweating, it's not about clawing to get it. Come on, say, Lord, I receive your favor tonight. I've heard your word. Come on, hallelujah. I receive favor. I believe, I, look, I, I can sense in this room is full of needs. There are people probably that have lost their jobs in financial situations. Look, we're not in a in a good climate, but I can tell you that, hallelujah, I'm declaring what I believe my daddy told me to declare, and that's favor. Would you receive favor tonight? Just say, I receive it, Lord. I receive your favor. I receive your favor, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know. You got something, Pastor Scott, you can sing in a moment in this atmosphere just for us to access. We access this grace by faith. When we simply believe it, it starts to flow. You know, when we went on national television, I think back in 2010, 2011, and I started praying. I said, Lord, we, how, we can't. I, our ministry is not big enough. We cannot afford to go on national TV. The Lord said to me, who told you that? Who told you you couldn't afford it? Here we are three, four years later with a potential audience of 60 million U.S. homes. 2.1 billion worldwide. Today, this week we shipped stuff to Australia. We sent stuff to Cyprus, to Kuwait, downloads. And in recent months to Cyprus and to Brazil, had call from Brazil, call from Brazil, from Haiti, from New Zealand, to Malaysia, to around the globe. Hallelujah. Our world is changing. I said our world is changing and you can focus on the bad if you want to. But I believe God has sent us to the kingdom for just such a time as this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, slip your hand up again. Just worship. Worship in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My brother, right here in the third row on my right, hallelujah. Look up at me just for a moment, over to the right behind Pastor Susie. You, just look at me a minute. I, I believe, yeah, you, is that you and your wife? Is that a wife? You, I'm talking to you. Yeah, is this husband and wife? Okay. I'm hearing the Lord say favor. I just want you to receive favor right now. I don't know, I feel like the Lord's about to open some doors for you, some avenues. I feel like the Lord said even avenues of revenue. Hallelujah. Just receive. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. 
Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.